Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. leader. Coming off the court, you hear it straight from a Suns player with Burns and Gambo. Brought to you by America Roofing, Arizona's number one roofer online at americaroofingco.com. For a free estimate or 10% off any roof repair, that's americaroofingco.com. Suns lost last night on the road to the Dallas Mavericks, 130-111. to Next up tomorrow, they take on the Boston Celtics. You'll hear that game right here on the flagship home of the Phoenix Suns. Joining us right now for our off-the-court segment this week, it's our pleasure to get our first conversation with the Suns role player, reserve player, Josh Okoji. 28 minutes last night, 12 points against the Dallas Mavericks. He joins us on the Arizona Sports Line. Josh, I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good. I, I thought that was a clean block last night. I can't believe that they called that a foul on you. What did you What did you think? Second quarter. Oh yeah, I thought it was clean too. Um, I went up there, and I just felt you know all the, just the ball and hit, hit against the backboard. I thought it was clean, but they called yeah. a foul. But what can you do at that point? All right. Yeah, Damian turns it over, man. I love the hustle. You getting black, uh, getting back, and then Green goes up, and they they called it a foul. And you, you, you know, I watched, I watched it. Then he watched the replay, man. I, you look like you got all ball. I mean, I'm surprised you don't get you know, you know ups, upset over that. Did you try to get Monty to challenge it? Nah, I mean, I knew he wasn't going to challenge it because at that point in the game, it's not really something you want to challenge. You want to kind of say that till later in the game. So, I mean, it was really nothing I could do. <laughs> but it was I mean I I mean I got the little moral moral victory of knowing it was a block on the inside. <laughs> I always laugh. I always laugh in the middle of the game, especially like in the second quarter, when a player looks over to Monty asking for a challenge and it's like and I like what you just mm-hmm. how you answered the question. Dude, he's not gonna challenge it in the second quarter. I'm just telling you, but but everybody's over there doing the challenge thing, right, with the hand. I mean, it's just like a it's just like a reaction now. It's like challenge, 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 but it's like at the at that moment you're so like he did, you're probably not even thinking about the, the whole scope of the challenge. You're just trying to get it overturned because you know it's wrong and stuff like that. But yeah, how, how have you felt so far this season? Being being a reserve on this team, not exactly sure when you're going to play, how much you're going to play, your minutes. Certainly, you've seen an uptick the last couple of games. How have you adapted to your role with the Suns, Josh? Um, just to, whenever I get my number called, go out there and just go out there and hoop, really. Um, play free, you know, do what I do on the defensive end and just let the offense come to me. Shooting is something you're known for your defensive prowess. Or, you know, good defensive player, strong, physical. The shot has been something I know you continue to try to work on and get better at. How much effort and time are you putting in? Because that ultimately may get you more playing time on the court. Uh, I put in a lot of work on it. I mean, I know it's going to start falling. I mean, I made two yesterday, so I mean, that's just a good confidence booster going into the next game. Yeah, yeah, they loved your role with Luca on the court. Your role to defend him, but it's amazing when you watch these games how simple they're able to get the switches. I mean, whether it's Mikhail guarding Luca or you guarding Luca, man, they you know they they set the pick, they get the switch, and all of a sudden he's on Da or he's on Landry. How difficult is it to defend the Mavs pick and roll? I mean, it's just by our, the way we defend, we switch everything anyway. You know, I've played on teams where we don't really switch so we can keep the matchups. But, you know, we have the uh, we have top five defense in the NBA. So, I mean, we're just going to continue to do what we're doing. And, you know, the numbers proved that it's been working. Is there Yesterday, some- you know, the shots just weren't falling for us. 
which you know it happens sometimes. But no, I think overall we're in a good we're in a good spot. I apologize, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Is, is there something specific about what Dallas does with their pick and roll action that is that is tougher for you guys to defend? Is there something different about it? Unique? Something? They're just a good one on one team. You know, they I think they're top five in the league and you know isos and you know they have a great player in luca and he knows how to you know create a mismatch try help and kick to the open guy and you know that's how he's that's what he's been doing for the well since on the league to be honest so you know they're good at what they do so how much do you enjoy your reputation as a as a defensive player in this league knowing that that's what your calling card is as you talked about earlier I love it. I embrace it as well. Um, it's fun out there, going out there, frustrating people, hearing what they say, and them complaining the refs. You know, it kind of gets gives me a little kick. So I love it. What was it about Phoenix as as a free agent drafted in the first round by the Minnesota Timberwolves? You spent your time there. Uh, what was it about Phoenix and free agency that you liked? Uh, I just like the culture, and I like the, uh, the how they prioritize winning. Um, when I heard Phoenix wanted to wanted to sign me, I, I felt like it was a no brainer for me because you know, you know, I got a taste of you know the playoffs last year, and um, I never want to not play in it again. And so, you know, I know obviously what what this organization is all about. You know where they're trying to go, and I felt like our kind of goals were similar, so I thought it was a no-brainer for me, for sure. What were, uh, for you, you know, going back up and and playing against them, I mean, you guys, you know, you beat them, I think, the first time, 129-117, and uh, what was it like for you to, to play against your former team? It was, it was great. It was fun, too, um, seeing all the guys that I used to compete with, not competing against. It was, uh, it was weird at first, even in the film, watching the film. Uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I'm a Phoenix son now, so I mean, the the kind of goal was kind of simple. It was to win the game, and you know, sure enough, we did that. Josh Koji, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show from the Phoenix Suns, got the Boston Celtics coming up tomorrow, nationally televised game, and then back to back games against the Pelicans. Everyone has kind of been looking towards this week for the last week or so. Have you guys been looking towards this week for the last week or so, given the quality of the competition you're playing? <laughs> to be honest, I. I go game by game, um, and I'm pretty sure everybody else does too. Uh, so right now, all we're focused on yesterday was Dallas. Now today, I would focus on the Celtics. And after that, we'll focus on the next matchup. But for now, you know, all our energy and focus is on um, the Celtics right now. Yeah, Josh, we appreciate the time. Uh, congratulations on what's been a good season for you so far. We'll look forward to talking to you in the future. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks, Josh. Josh Koji joining us on the Arizona Sports Line as the Suns taking on the Boston Celtics tomorrow at 8 o'clock. And then the uh, Pelicans, back-to-back games in New Orleans over the weekend, one on Friday, one on Sunday, then a rematch against the Houston Rockets after that team that just beat them a couple of weeks ago. I know the the loss to Dallas kind of hanging over everything, another loss to Dallas hanging over everything, although it should be. Got to remind everybody, the Suns did beat them on open. Opening night, but yeah, that, down twenty two. Had they to come back and beat them. Down twenty two. Rallied. Not that I'm already 
ready to move on and talk about Boston because there's still some stuff we got to talk about with this Dallas game. That's going to be a heck of a test tomorrow against the Boston Celtics. Yes, starting tomorrow. And, and who, yeah, Tatum and Brown, and yeah, it's a it's a it's a great team. Even and, with everything that happened last year with the coach and uh, with the coach situation, I mean they, that that's a really good team. They play great defense. Jalen Brown has been unbelievable this year. Yep. Tatum's an MVP candidate. Tough. That's a tough challenge. It is, and what makes it tougher is again not knowing who you're going to have available for tomorrow's game. Monty Williams, we talked about this earlier. If you missed it, we played some sound for Monty in which you know he was asked, hey, Chris Paul, is Wednesday the day? Torrey Craig, is Wednesday the day that he's back? And Monty said, you know, we just don't know at this point. We hope. We don't know yet, and I don't want to put anything on that, but we hope that those guys are getting closer. Are they going to play? I don't know. You know, I can't even speculate on that right now. Um, but we'll find out more, get more information as we head home and and, um, evaluate everything. So there's no limitations for a James Jones team. When you come back, you're, you, you've got to be able to play. If they need you to play 35 minutes, you can play 35 minutes. Yep. So that doesn't mean you're going to, but you just need to be available to play that. So like, if you're a limited guy, they'll keep you out. Uh, now, it doesn't mean that when they come back, they're not going to just you know, maybe play Chris 20 minutes, but it's got to be like, you're able to, if we need you, you're able to play the whole game. That's how James has always been. So if you're available, you're available. They don't have limitation type things. They have either you're available, or you're not available with the Suns roster. Yeah. And I'm thinking back to the Boston Celtics last year, too. This was, you know, we talk about kind of not very many humiliating moments for this organization. One of them was last year against Boston, right? Remember in the middle of the season, what was it January 1st, December 31st? They played that weird game in the middle of the day, like 11 o'clock in yeah. the morning on a Sunday, and they just got blown out. So, you know, is that on their minds? I would imagine playing better than they played last night is going to be the first thing on their mind, right? Like, there is there's a there is a lot of faith in this team and in Monty and Devin Booker that when they have moments like last night, their ability to respond to that, you yeah. know, that might be tough against Boston, but they're usually pretty good at responding to stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, everybody kept talking about, you know, you got to flush it, you got to flush it. It's a lot easier to do that in the NBA because you got games every couple days than, say, in the NFL. You got to wait a week or so. So, I think you get past that. I mean, it was, it was a back-to-back that they had played the night before, so and the Mavs were rested. So I don't think you, you know, you you played them, you beat them. They played you, they beat you. You you move on. You know, if you see them in the playoffs, you see them in the playoffs. But as of right now, you're just worried about this next game. You got to get past that Dallas game quickly. All right, when we come back, we do have a quote unquote winner of the Baker Mayfield sweepstakes, if that's the word you want to use. Plus, we've got news out of San Francisco that might change the fortunes of the 49ers. We'll explain next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Asked if Baker Mayfield has a chance to play Thursday night for the Rams, one source texted Adam Schefter, quote, there's a shot. Close quote. The Rams are in the process of sending the playbook to Mayfield to make sure he can study the offense on his flight to Los Angeles. Yes, the L.A. Rams 
claimed. And according to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN Gambo, they're believed to be the lone team that placed a claim on Baker Mayfield. Really? Had they not, he would have gone to free agency okay. and could have gone anywhere. Anywhere he wanted. Jeremy Fowler is reporting the Rams are believed to be the lone team who placed a claim. They were number four on the list. So three other teams would have had to pass on him first. But if they were the only one to put in a claim, had they not put in a claim, he would have been a free agent, could have gone wherever he yeah. wanted. What do we make of Baker Mayfield I, going to the Rams? Listen, at three and nine, they're eliminated. They're out of it. Stafford's on injured reserve. He's going to be out the rest of the season. You got Johnny Walford's got a neck injury. So Bryce Perkins is the guy that would likely start against the Raiders Thursday night at SoFi Stadium. Mayfield, you've said it. He's had a terrible year. He's six touchdowns, six interceptions. He just got let go by Carolina because of how bad he was. I think that they did it to keep him out of San Francisco, but if San Francisco wouldn't even be willing to claim him, then you're taking the chance that he could go sign anywhere. Um, but I think I said yesterday, I think it makes sense that he would go to San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, the Rams are three and nine. I mean, I mean, maybe you get a free look at him and you decide to, you know, with Stafford's age, maybe you decide. But I, I mean, I expect that Stafford's going to be their quarterback for the next few years. I, I would expect to. I, I, at first, I thought the keep him away from the Niners thing. And, and of course, for the Cardinals, this might matter maybe next year because we're talking about division rivals here. I, I the one theory I've seen so far online that maybe bears out. Out a little bit is that given Matthew Stafford's uncertain state, I'm sure he's going to be there next year, and I'm sure he's going to well, be. He signed like a huge contract did, yeah. extension this year. Uh, and when I say his uncertain state, I mean his health. Okay, his health. Right. The elbow problems and the back problems and everything this year. That the Rams might be saying, "Look, this is basically a free look at Baker Mayfield to see whether we want him to be our backup next year." Because let's call it like it is. Baker Mayfield's not a starting quarterback in this league, right? No. Carolina was kind of his last ditch shot to show that he was a starting quarterback in this league, and he failed. This is, I th- and I think there's a lot of merit to this. I think the Rams looked at this and said, "This is five games. It's only going to cost us about a million and a half dollars. Let's take a look at him. Let's see if." We we think this guy can be our backup next year because we're going to need a better backup than John Walford. We're going to need a better backup than Bryce Perkins because if we go into next year with Stafford as our quarterback, and we probably will, we need to be prepared that he's going to miss some games. He's an older quarterback. He's had a lot of wear and tear, right? He's getting to that age where maybe he's not super reliable and maybe they feel like they need a better backup. Plus, Baker Mayfield's played in a Shanahan-style offense before and has played all right in a Shanahan-style offense. That's that's my guess what this is. That's my guess. It's incredible because you go back just two years ago, 2020. Browns were 11-5. and Baker Mayfield has them in the playoffs. They beat the Steelers in the first round and they lose to the Chiefs in the next round. It's like Baker Mayfield seemed to be on the uprise. I thought you you thought he was going to get that that contract. They don't sign him to the contract extension. And that was the whole basis of what Eric Burkhart was saying about Kyler Murray. We don't want to be in a Baker Mayfield situation to where that stuff could happen because you know last year they were disappointing the team was terrible they 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 lost three of their final four games they were eight and nine they missed the postseason um and Mayfield fell out of favor and so they 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 trade him I mean and but they they yeah they get rid of him and the Browns get Watson and Mayfield's done and it's like okay now his career goes to Carolina doesn't work out now he's with the Rams they got Stafford under a new four year contract they just re-signed him for a four year deal like 
it's I don't know why the Rams I mean the Rams basically may have done it for two reasons. One, to keep him away from the 49ers so they just hate him. Or two, they really don't have anybody to play quarterback right now. And for a million bucks, why not get Baker Mayfield in and get I a mean, free look at it's him? It's a cheap look and and this way they can find out whether he is somebody they want to pursue as a backup. As a backup. Yeah. He's gotta be Do you think Baker Mayfield is at that point in his career where he can accept that? I'm a backup now. I don't think he's gonna have any choice. I think if he goes out there and says, I will only go someplace that makes me a starter, <laughs> good luck to you, my friend. You don't think there's a team out there, one team out there might say, listen, I, no. I, you know, I'll give you a chance to be a starter. Carson Wentz keeps getting chances to be starters. <laughs> Other guys do. Um, no, I don't. I don't. I don't think there is that team. Okay. I don't. I, so it, much it, bad quarterback play now, out Now, to there. your point. Does he have that kind of come to Jesus moment where he goes, okay, you know what? I'm just a backup in this league. Guys are really slow to accept that. Maybe, I mean, to your point, Marcus Mariota is still a starting quarterback in this league. Maybe not right. for long with Atlanta. You're right. Guys tend to hang on longer at that position and maybe, maybe he does. Maybe he gets a starting job. Maybe he's a starting quarterback for the, the Colts next year, for the, you know, for the Texans you, next year, right? I mean, you, you buy that the 49ers were happy with what they had? Well, let me tell you the 49ers news. Uh-huh. Because maybe they are happy with what they've got. Adam Schefter also tweeted out today. Doctors have concluded that 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo does not need foot surgery. It is not a Liz Franck injury. And if rehab goes smoothly, he could have a chance to return in seven to eight weeks making him a potential playoff contributor. Now, I can just hear people in their car right now doing the math. The wild card weekend is six weeks away. The divisional round of the playoffs is seven weeks away. The NFC Championship game is eight weeks away. David Lombardi covers the team for The Athletic. He tweeted out, based on medical opinions I've gathered, seven to eight weeks might be erring on the side of caution for Jimmy Garoppolo. There's a chance six weeks is also in play. Six weeks has him back for the playoffs. That's six weeks has him back for the wild card round of the playoffs. Now, stunner. So you've got Brock Purdy. You looked at the schedule yesterday, and I remember they got the Bucks this week. It's it's not the most daunting of schedules, if I remember right, for San Francisco. Falcons. They have the Cardinals. They have the Bucks. There's another tough game in there too after the Bucks. I can't remember, but I do remember they did have to. They do have to play the Falcons. They do have to play the Cardinals. We live uh, in the era of Google. I can find it. Here it is, right here. Yeah. They did have a tough game after the Bucks. I think. Home against Tampa Bay at Seattle. Big game coming was it, up. Was it Cincy or did Cincy they had? Uh, no. Uh, home against Tampa okay. at Seattle. Yep. Home against Washington yep. at Vegas. Home against the Cardinals. Okay. Can you navigate that schedule with Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson as your quarterbacks without getting Baker Mayfield up to speed? I don't know, but it, I, I, so, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to have a choice right well, now. Well, they don't have a choice now because they, they didn't don't have a choice. What if they but, didn't but, do anything? It's that this is what they're going with. But even if they had put in a claim for Baker Mayfield, they wouldn't have gotten him because the, the Rams would have had the first claim. The Rams were fourth in the order, I think, to get him right. in terms of the waiver wire. So they and, you know, Kyle Shanahan went on record yesterday and said, no, we're good. I don't really think we're going to do that. I don't think we're going to pursue that. So we'll see. We'll see if they end up regretting it. But if they get Jimmy Garoppolo back in time for the wild card weekend because the injury is yeah. not as serious, that changes 
all of the fortunes for San Francisco. Well, it's good for Garoppolo because he's missed, you know, he's missed 2018. He missed most of the season with a torn ACL. 2020, the leg injury, missed a lot of times. If he can get back and play, that's good for his free agency status that this isn't a devastating injury. But here's the other thing. I mean, it does give him a long look at Brock Purdy to see if he's like Nick Foles. Could he be the Nick Foles to the Carson Wentz and, you know, be able to lead that team to some victories? Because I I think if you can get Garoppolo back, you, you do it no matter what. But if Purdy's playing well, you might have something there. But it doesn't look like they're going to make any moves at this point. They're going to go with what they have. Texas, your thoughts. The FanDuel text line. It is open for you right now at 620-620. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, humiliating loss last night for the Phoenix Suns, and yet many around the league continue to be surprised by what they've done. How surprised? You'll find out next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The timing probably wasn't the best, I'll be honest. The athletic, and, and they didn't, they did this before the Suns got humiliated last night by the Dallas Mavericks, so you can't blame them for that. But the, and I know you hate power rankings, but as I always say with power rankings, I don't care where they've got the Suns ranked, I just care what they say about the Suns. Right. There's a lot of interesting stuff they said about the Suns in their power rankings this week on the athletic website. First of all, okay, let's go over it. Yeah. Um, they, this was before the Mavs game, as I mentioned, so they obviously didn't factor the Dallas game into it, okay? But they did it by tiers. Tier 1, the contenders. They only had three teams in Tier 1. They only had one team in the Western Conference in Tier 1. Mm. The Suns were the only team in the Western Conference in their Tier 1 power rankings. The only one. And it was the Boston Celtics. And the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Bucks. Those were the only other two. That's a short tier one. That is a short. I mean, you're tier basically one. saying here's the three teams I think can win a championship. I don't think anybody else can. Yep. And then tier two, brink of contention. They had the Cavs and the Pelicans. Okay, two up and coming teams. Uh huh. Uh huh. And then everybody else they had as a playoff team. So no Clippers. No Warriors. And the Clippers are to be determined, right? Very much so. If Paul George and Kawhi Leonard get on the same page and Kawhi gets healthy, then they're going to be dangerous. And if not, then they're not. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. they're, they're to The be- Warriors aren't even in the Tier 2? The Warriors aren't even in Tier 2. The, the Pelicans, who... Man, we've got this great poll question up right now from Eric about what team do you actually fear come playoff time. Yeah. And it obviously taps into the recency bias a little bit because of the Mavs and what happened last night, right? Man, you better fear some New Orleans Pelicans because I tell you, they're they're coming, man. They're good. They're good. That They're healthy. And, and they got... And they kind of like the Suns the year in the bubble. Last year, they got in. They got a taste. They had uh-huh. some success. Uh-huh. Right, it was it's a little bit of like an the awakening Suns for right. them. Yeah, it was a little bit right. of an awakening. Yes. Right, no hesitation by Dave Griffin. You make sure you keep Zion. Um, it was a great trade that they made with Portland last year. It's a phenomenal trade. Worked out really well for them. Uh, they're young players. They got those. Uh, that Herb Jones is fantastic, and Alvarado's fantastic, and the Murphy kid can shoot the ball. So there's young talent mixed with old talent mixed with. Yeah, they're good. They're good, and a great coach. We know him from well from here. A great coach. Yes, we do. We'll agree. Great general manager. Um, the Brandon Ingram trade has just been his the way he's blossomed, and the CJ McCollum trade. It's, it's just it's reinvigorated mm-hmm. that franchise, and then those young guys that you that they've got. You're absolutely right. It was also kind of a chance to grade each team on the first quarter of the season because we're you know now more than a quarter of the way in. 
And they gave the Suns an A minus. Here's what they wrote about the Suns. Um, and this is lengthy, but stick with me because it's all very good. Okay. Think about what the Suns have done so far. Once again, they have the best record in the West, something they ran away with last season. But it's different this time. Jay Crowder has been away hoping for a trade. Cam Johnson has, has played in just eight games because of a knee injury. Chris Paul hasn't even played in half their games. Maybe the Suns aren't completely dominating night in and night out. And they have a couple of curious losses. But Devin Booker has been outstanding, dominating most matchups and double teams he faced each night. Even though there was a rocky start to the season, DeAndre Eaton has been really good and he he is big boying the competition lately. The Suns look really good, can set their road back up to the NBA Finals if they keep it together until they're healthy. And then they also went back and updated their preseason prediction for each, each team as part of this. Their preseason prediction was that the Suns trade DeAndre Eaton by the trade deadline. And they're like, yep, nope, never mind. Well, there was two ways that that, that could always go. He plays well enough to where you don't want to trade him, or he plays poorly enough to where nobody wants to give him a trade for him on a max contract. Yeah, you either don't want to or you can't trade right. him based off I of mean, how he played. He, yes. if, if he plays great, other teams will trade for him, but why do you want to trade him? <laughs> why would you want to trade the guy? But if he plays poorly, you're like, yeah, I'd love to get off this contract, but nobody's going to want to trade for him. because you, So you're really stuck between a rock and a hard place there. It almost, made, it almost makes him untradeable, I think, in some ways. I agree. Play well, they don't want to trade you. Play poorly, nobody wants you. Play average, nobody wants you. Because you're $30 million a year. Mm-hmm. $30 million a year. Teams aren't giving that to centers. They're not. Which is why when you look at it that way, and it's a really good way of looking at it, it was always the best case scenario for him to just play well. You know, it's okay, you've, you've got him under contract. He's locked up for four years. It's, I mean, it's a lot of money, but it's also like the 35th highest salary in the NBA. And here, two years from now, I guarantee you it'll be the 45th highest salary or the 50th highest salary because the salaries are just going to go up. The Nets were stupid. The Nets were just They should have just taken them, right? Him or Jalen Brown? Yeah. Like, just Jalen, like, I mean, if I'm the Nets right now, I'd rather have Jalen Brown than Kevin Durant. I'd rather have DeAndre Ayton than Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is old. Kevin Durant's always injured. Like, yes. I mean, I just think the Nets, like, he had to, Mark's, what, what, what hurt Mark's more than anything else was the, was the Rudy Gobert deal. If Rudy Gobert never gets traded, maybe he could justify trading Kevin Durant for DeAndre Ayton and draft picks or Jalen Brown and draft picks. He didn't do either. He didn't do either. Mm-hmm. Now you got Kevin Durant on a Nets team. It's no good. They're not that good. They're going anywhere. They're not going to go anywhere. So, like, now you blew your best chance to trade Kevin Durant. You got to call these teams back in January, and they're going to give you, you it's 50 cents on a dollar. You're going to Potter. It's 50 cents on a dollar. You watched that yet, by the way? Not yet, but I told Chelsea, like, we're watching it. Like, I'm not like, I don't skip this. <laughs> All right, we don't skip that around that's, Christmas time. It's, it's a wonderful life if that's yes. the Potter fifty like cents a, on the dollar reference. Right? So. Yeah. There's a there's a, a shirt that you could buy. I really want to get it. What was the, what was the name of the uh, the, the, bailing, the, the Bailey, Bailey Brothers Brothers Building and Loan Building and Loan? God, yeah. I gotta get that shirt. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, if you if you're Marks, like you want to trade Kevin Durant now, fifty cents on the dollar. You're not getting anything like that. The Suns aren't going to give you DeAndre Ayton and all their draft picks for Kevin Durant. No. It's not going to happen. The Celtics aren't trading Jalen Brown not for anybody. Like, for anybody. So, they're not trading Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant straight up. So, I think that, you know, DeAndre's played well enough. You keep him. You like him. I think the biggest decision the Suns have to make next year, as I said yesterday, is with Chris. 
Do you pay Chris $15 million to go away or do you pay Chris $30 million to stay? I think that's more of a decision than what you do with DeAndre. I tend to agree at this point because with DeAndre Ayton, he keeps playing like this. You're right. You don't want to trade him. No. I think that decision and the Cam Johnson decision ultimately, like how high are you willing to go to keep him? How deep into that luxury tax are you willing to? And of course, a lot of that depends on who the owner of the Suns is. And we don't know that yet. Or the injury history now. Well, that's got to be a concern with Cam. and And I hate to say that, but it's got to be said. It has to. Um, because he, it's piling up on him, you know? And that's one of those players where, again, not that it's his fault, not that he can do anything about it to control it, but you want to invest that much money into a guy who does always seem to find a way to get hurt. And that's something you really have to consider if you're the Suns. Really have to consider. Because when he's healthy, he is a terrific player. But man, he's missed a lot, he of, games. A lot of games. He missed a, and and that, that money, you know, you got to be careful. Yep. Like, I mean, that could bring his value down to the Suns. It can bring the value. Now, you can always match any offer he gets. But, I mean, if somebody goes above and beyond for Cam Johnson, you might sit there and say, you know what? I don't think I'm going to match that offer. Look, I I like I like that the Suns are getting their flowers. They deserve their flowers. And I know last night, going back to kind of going back to kind of the general point of this of this piece, I like that the Suns are lumped in with this group of the very elite in the NBA. I think it's great. They And I know I'm just saying this because they lost last night. Had they beaten the Mavs, I wouldn't be saying this at all. I acknowledge that completely. They got to start getting their guys back. You know, yes. it's, it's, they got to start. They got to start. And I know they don't want to rush it. But this Chris Paul thing continues to mystify me a little bit. Why this has taken so long. Why they're really, really slow playing this. And I get it. They've played well without him. They've won games without him. They've demonstrated that they can they can function without him. To the point where we talked about whether you want to bring Chris back. Exactly. They played so well topic without yesterday him. on the show. Yeah. It's like, OK, do you really want to pay him 30 million dollars next year when you can get out for half of that if you wanted to? Now, maybe they do. I think it'll depend, like what you said, I totally agree with you. It really depends on how Chris plays. He comes back and he plays well, and, it, and in playoffs, too. Like, yes. I, I think you've proven that you could you could be fine without Chris Paul in a regular season. Can you win a championship without Chris Paul? Can you win a championship with Chris Paul? This is the stuff we just don't know. The answer to your question about what to do with him in the offseason totally, completely depends on how he looks when he comes back and how, he pl- how they play with him in the postseason. That will answer the question, because, yeah. Yeah, they are proving they can win some of these games without Chris. Now, can they compete among the elites? You know, not that even Dallas is the elite, but if they don't have Chris against Boston, it's going to be a hell of a test to see how they do against the elite team of the NBA without their all-everything point guard. Can I drop in something crazy real quick for you guys? Sure, please. Uh, Money-wise... Chris Paul, Cam Johnson, and Jay Crowder is a perfect match for Kevin Durant. That's all I'll put out there. Give me the names again. Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, and Cam Johnson, three for one for Kevin Durant, is almost an exact money match. I'm not doing that if I'm the Nets. With a bunch of picks, of course. But Jay's a a free agent. Cam's a restricted free agent. And Paul's got one year left on his deal, half guaranteed. You'd have to throw in. Getting 50 cents on the dollar, maybe, though. You're going to Potter. Getting 50 cents on the dollar. Freaking Potter! Go to the go to I the I'll, I, Bailey Brothers building there's, alone. There's not one thing. I'll tell you this because you're a movie buff. Yeah. There's not one thing about any movie that I've ever watched that pisses me off more <laughs> than I, stupid I Uncle say. whatever his name is putting all the cash in the newspaper and giving it to Potter. Is it an Uncle Billy? Uncle freaking Billy. Uncle Billy. Like I hate Uncle Billy to this day. I hate Uncle Billy. 
I hate Uncle Billy. And it's, I, I almost can't watch that part of the movie because it gets me so upset that he's that dumb. <laughs> that he was that dumb. There's no no movie, no movie that I've ever watched has a scene that pisses me off more than when Uncle Billy folds the money into the newspaper and gives it to Potter in his wheelchair. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about, Eric? You do? You know, Lauren, you know too? It just pisses me off. It's like you stupid old, what, what, what did, what did, uh, you old fool. You stupid old fool. He calls him an old fool, if I remember right. I'm doing scandal. Scandal. Jail. <laughs> One of us is going down, and it's not going to be me. Oh, so upsets me. You might have to say. You might have to skip that. With your high blood pressure, you might need to skip that part. <sighs> With your pills and everything, it, it, you might just that, want to fast uh, forward. No, right through no, that. no movie scene upsets me more than that. <laughs> when we come back, it is never easy to play a Bill Belichick coach team. This year's Patriots, though, have had a ton of offensive troubles that they'll be bringing into this game on Monday night. We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. John Gambadero, Dave Burns with you here on the Burns and Gambo show. Of course, the Cardinals an extra day before they're on the field again. They're taking on the New England Patriots next Monday night. Patriots still have a bunch to play for just on the outside looking in of the last playoff spot in the AFC while the Arizona Cardinals. We talked a little bit yesterday about their odds of making the playoffs. It is very, 2%. very, very slim. In fact, it stuck with me that number that you had said of the website you had found yesterday. Yes. That even if the Cardinals go 5-0 and in their last five games, their chances of making the playoffs 11%. are like 11%. And they're like, they're, it'd be like the last wild card. Like they, they, like they can't get like the first wild card right now or the second, you'd have to go five and zero to have a a chance, and even then, your chances are just so slim. Yeah, so it's. I mean, we look. We all know what the deal is with the Arizona Cardinals. We all know what the score is. You know, with the Arizona Cardinals and what the situation with the final five games left. This Patriots team coming in though, and how the Cardinals respond because it's not just the Patriots now. It's going to be the Falcons when they play them, and it's going to be the Bucks when they play them. There are teams that are playing for playoff positioning or to get into the playoffs, and the Cardinals will dictate a lot of what happens with those teams when they play them. The Patriots included. The Belichick, the the, uh, the Belichicks, ha! The Patriots come in. Bill Belichick yesterday on his weekly visit on WEEI was asked about their struggling offense, and it is struggling. And do they need to make a change with their offensive play caller, given how badly they've struggled offensively? Here's what he said. I think we need to do what we're doing better. Yeah, I don't think at this point making a lot of dramatic changes is, is too hard to do that. We, we need – if we can just do consistently what we're doing, uh, we'll, I think we'll be all right. But we just haven't been able to have enough consistency. And, um, you know, and that's hurt us. It's not one thing. It's just – one time it's one thing, next time it's something else. We just have to we just have to play more consistent play and coach more consistently. On a side note, did you see in, in, in the email that I sent you today the highest paid coaches in sports? Bill Belichick by a landslide. Oh yeah, twenty million dollars. Twenty million dollars a Carol year. At Fifteen million. Yeah. Then <laughs> McVay at fourteen, followed by Popovich at thirteen, Mike Tomlin twelve and a half, Andy Reid twelve, Jim Harbaugh twelve. John Harbaugh. 
John Harbaugh, John Harbaugh. They say John Harbaugh at twelve. Then Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, and Kirby Smart coming at eight. Uh, you know, coming at um, like eleven point eight, eleven point five, eleven point three. Look, Belichick's obviously earned all the respect in the world, and he's given that New England fan base everything they could possibly have dreamt of and more. But there are those within that fan base who just do yeah. not, for the life of them, understand why Matt Patricia has been put in charge right. of calling the plays now that Josh McDaniels is with the Raiders. Given that Patricia's last significant job coaching anywhere on the offense was 17 years 17 ago. years ago he's like hiring herm edwards 17 years ago um yeah he was the assistant offensive line coach so then you know they you know obviously they, they lose their offensive coordinator mcdaniels he goes and takes the head coaching job at the at the raiders and so he just plugs that in now most people are blaming the crazy drop with mac jones on matt patricia because last year he was like one of the best rookies out there. I mean, yes. he was a 15 pick in the draft. He threw for 3,800 yards. He had 22 touchdowns. He completed 67.6% of his passes. They won 10 games. They went to the playoffs. I mean, they loved him. They absolutely loved him. But this year, he has not played well. He's got seven touchdown passes in nine games. And he's missed a couple with a high ankle sprain. But there's a lot of people looking at the Patriots and saying, look, this isn't Mac Jones. This is this offense. This offense is terrible. There's no way you set him up to fail. He can't be successful in this offense. Rob Ninkovich was on ESPN. He's an ESPN analyst, former Patriots linebacker. Quote, I'm not putting that on Mac Jones. I'm putting that on Matt Patricia, the offensive coordinator. Bill Belichick has a lot to do with it as well to put Matty in that place. I love Matty. He's a great coach, but you've also got to have a different mindset as an offensive coordinator. Close quote. Ryan Clark agreed with Ninkovich, citing that the Lions got worse under Patricia's three-year tenure as their coach, and that Patriots quarterbacks coach Judge uh, Joe Judge oversaw an operation with the Giants that also failed. Basically, everyone's jumping on Bill Belichick for not hiring a better offensive mind when they lost right. Josh McDaniels to mentor their quarterback. Look, coaching matters. Coaching always, always matters. And Bill Belichick might just be arrogant enough to think, oh, you know, we got this. Matt Patricia, he knows what he's doing. Joe Judge, he knows. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out this match. They got more talent than they did a season ago when they had the 10th best offense in the league, and now they're terrible. Their tight end, Hunter Henry, who had nine touchdowns a year ago, he's averaging 28 yards per game. Born, you know, they're not even using him. He's been buried. They're just not playing him. So they're not really maximizing the talent that they have. So a lot of people are just really upset. And there's a lot of people. Kurt Warner even has criticized the the offense here. Everybody that's, you know, Ryan Clark, everybody's criticized this offense. And it's not getting it done. So now... Belichick's talked about how it's too late. You can't do anything now. Yeah, that's yeah the soundbite that I played there on yeah. the Greg Hill show on right. WEEI. Can't do anything now, so you just you just you run it out and you you make your change at the end of the season. They're twenty fourth in total offense. They're twenty eighth in passing touchdowns. They've allowed the ninth most sacks. They're twentieth in points scored. And now they come in and play a Cardinals team that that again I, they're coming off the bye. Played well against the Chargers, Chargers until the very end. Those mm-hmm. last three drives submarined any opportunity for them. To win that game up until those three drives they played certainly well enough to win that football game Belichick yesterday on WEI talked about going up against Kyler Murray All right, well as always it comes down to discipline defense and there's no one man that can stop um, Jackson or Josh Allen or Murray whoever those type players are it's, they, they can do a lot of different things um, 
So it's good team defense and uh, playing with good good awareness, good leverage, um, good discipline, and, and obviously good tackling once you get a chance to uh, once you get a chance to get them. This is the most basic of any coach talk. Oh, you got to tackle well. It comes down to this and that. I mean, so he doesn't give you anything outside of, uh, he's going to say that about every team that they play. Got to be disciplined. Got to tackle. Got to not make mistakes. He's going to say that about everybody. Cliff Kingsbury today on facing Bill Belichick. Of course, Cliff played for Bill Belichick, was a backup quarterback in New England for a little bit. Quote, it's an honor to go versus him and to match wits with him at times. Close quote. Yeah. You yeah, know, that's yeah, sure. I would imagine for Cliff, that's especially given that he played for him briefly, that that is going to be one of those. Oh man, I'm coaching against. Yeah, Bill you're Belichick playing the chess master. Yeah, a little bit. You're playing the chess master. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was that Netflix show? Uh, the Queen's Gambit. The Queen's Gambit. Oh, when my you're God. playing Anna Taylor Joy, you look across and that she's going to make mincemeat of you. It was the a really good show. TV show. Yeah, I loved that show. That was great. It was a really good show. The where, Queen's Gambit. Where she would take the pills and just see the chess up on the shadows on yeah, the ceiling yeah. when she was going to bed at night. Yeah, that was that was really cool. Yeah, it's it's like playing the chess master, and cl- that's what you're going up going up against in Belichick. And it's going to be tough. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, look at that. It's four o'clock already. What? We're at the turn, which means it's time to get you caught up on what. What's going on in sports? The 4 o'clock reset is next on the Burns and Gambo Show.